morning. All right, if you got your Bibles with you today, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Almost forgot them. Luke chapter 15. I have to put my glasses on and off. The mask, when I wear it and I'm singing, my breath blows up and it fogs up my glasses and I can't see. So, forgot to put them back on this morning. I want to start off by telling you guys a story. It comes straight out of Reader's Digest. There was a mother who was traveling by plane with her two younger daughters. And well, the girls, they really did not want to be on that plane. In fact, they were pretty upset about it. And while they were on the plane, they got upset with each other, and, and they were also upset with their mom for, you know, making them fly. And so these girls, man, they were not happy, and they were letting everyone around them know about it. Well, before the flight starts, as normal, a stewardess comes out, and she begins to explain all the things that they need to know in case of emergency. She talked about how if uh, the cabin loses pressure, then masks will come down from the, from the cabin above, and you're to take that mask and put it on yourself, and then once you have your mask on, then you can help others. But while she's making this very important announcement, these two girls really start fussing. And it was at that point that the stewardess, who's very irritated, looks right at their mother and says, if you have more than one child, choose the one you like best and help them first. <laughs> this morning, we're going to be revisiting the story of the prodigal. And the question I want you to think about as we revisit this particular parable is this. Which son does the father like best? Okay, so as we're going through this parable, I want you to, I want you to really be thinking about this in your mind. And, and here's one of the things that I really love about Jesus' parables. They're so unpredictable, right? I mean, it's not like a Hallmark movie where you know exactly what's going to happen in the end. And in fact, Julie and Charleston and I were watching a Hallmark movie the other night. And the lady in the movie, she buys a brand new hat. And I told Julie and Charleston before it ever started, I said, I'm going to tell you, I'm the Hallmark prophet. I said, the hat's going to fly off. And the man of her dreams is going to pick up that hat and he's going to hand it to her. Well, sure enough, she's walking down this alley. Her hat flies off. And I'm like, yes, this is so predictable. And then the guy of her dream comes riding by on a motorcycle and he runs right over her hat. And he stops at the top of the hill and he looks back and he sees what he's done and then he drives off and Charleston thinks that's hilarious. She's like, ha, you were wrong. He didn't go back and give her the hat. I said, honey, keep watching. 
I said, about that time, listen, about that time, the motorcycle comes back around, comes down the alley, he picks up the hat, goes around the corner, she's chasing him, and when she gets there, he's standing there with a brand new hat. So predictable, right? <laughs> and I just laughed. But Jesus' parables... Man, they're, they're so unpredictable, right? I mean, at the beginning of this story of the prodigal, you know, you're reading about the younger son, and you're like, man, that is a bad son. I, I really don't like that character. But then by the time you get to the end of the story, it's like, well, maybe he's not so bad. And then at the beginning of the story, the, the older son is like, yeah, now, now that's a good guy. That's the way you're supposed to be. But then at the end of the story, it's like, well, wow, maybe he's not as good as I thought he was. Let me ask you a question this morning as we think about this parable. As a parent, which one of these sons would you rather have? Would you rather have a child that is immoral but is humbled? Or would you rather have a son who is moral but is very judgmental? Which one of these sons would you rather have? Which one was really good and which one was bad? Or could it be that both of them were bad? And if you think you know which son the father liked best, then you probably haven't read this story through the father's eyes. Let's look at Luke 15. We're going to read this parable again, starting in verse 11. And this is a lengthy reading, so I'm not going to put it up on the screen. It says, Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons, which is kind of interesting, right? Because we make this story about the prodigal son. We make it about one son, but Jesus says, no, this story is about two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got, he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father won't listen to any of it. 
The father says to his servants, quick, he says, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older, older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you have never given me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. Now we stop right there and I want us to go all the way back to the beginning of this story because I want you to notice what Jesus does in the beginning. In the beginning of this story, he intentionally makes God the Father, the Father figure of this story. Now, some of you say, well, of course. I mean, what's the big deal about that? Well, because this was very new for them back then. In fact... God is only referred to as Father some 14 times in the Old Testament. And in almost every single one of those passages is talking about God as the Father of Israel. In other words, when it refers to God as Father, the Father of Israel, it's, it's making the claim that God birthed this nation into existence. But then once you get into the New Testament, God is referred to as Father some 250 times. And it's like, what happened? Who changed this view of God? And the answer, the answer to that is Jesus. From the, from the very beginning, I mean, some of the first recorded words of Jesus here on this earth. In Luke chapter 2, verse 49, remember, he separated from his parents. His parents had been looking for him for three days. They're worried sick. They finally find him in the temple. And well, notice what he says. I mean, they're, they're asking him, where have you been? What, what were you thinking? And he says, why did you need to search? He asked. You should have known that I would be in my what, church? In my father's house. And then we jump all the way to the very end where Jesus is dying on the cross. And what does Jesus say? Luke chapter 23, verse 46. He says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And then you think about Jesus' prayer life. Right? John chapter 17, verse 1, Jesus prays, what? Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that, so that He can give glory back to you. Verse 5, and now what? Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. And then there's that prayer 
In Mark chapter 15, verse 36, where Jesus prays, Abba, Father. And some of you may be scratching your head thinking, well, what in the world does Abba mean? Well, Abba is the intimate Aramaic term for daddy. And Jesus used that word when he prayed to God. And no one had ever talked about God like this. And so you can imagine, man, this absolutely blew his listeners away. I mean, this would have been very difficult for them to grasp, to, to look at God as their, their father, their dad. And that may, be some, that may be difficult for some of you this morning as well because maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your father growing up. Maybe, maybe your dad was never there. Or maybe your dad was very harsh. Or maybe your dad was very abusive. And so in your mind, it's really hard for you to imagine God as our father. And so why did Jesus choose that word? Well, this is important for us to understand because one of the things we learn about love is that it, it takes time to learn to love. Whether it's our parents, whether it's our spouse, or whether it's God Himself, we learn to love over time. But listen to me this morning. And I think most of you parents will understand this. When you have a child, you love instantly. Right? I mean, as soon as that baby comes out, you are in love with that child. And you would do anything for that child, even, even die for them. And so if you're a parent and you have a child that is lost, you have one agenda, right? To find that child. I think about Liesl when she was just a, a little bitty girl. Liesl loved to dawdle. She loved to just, you know, straggle behind as we were going through Walmart. And we would always say, honey, you, you can't do that. You've got to stay up with us because somebody could come along and snatch you up. But Lisa wouldn't listen. She would just, you know, we'd, we'd be going down the aisle and she'd just straggle behind. She'd be going, you know, looking at things on the aisle. And, and so one night we're at Walmart and I told Julie, I said, let's teach her a lesson. I said, she's not listening. She's still dawdling. I said, let's go on over to the other aisle. And so we go over to the other aisle. We're just kind of waiting for her to come running around the corner. And she doesn't. And so we're like, ah, man, let's go get her. And so we go back to the previous aisle, and she is gone. And now Julie and I, we're terrified. She runs one way, I run the other way, and we're running down the aisles looking and yelling her name. And we finally meet back up. She's like, I can't find her. And I said, I couldn't find her either. And we're just terrified. Then all of a sudden we hear crying. And way over in the food aisle, or the, the vegetable produce aisle, 
Liesl comes walking out, holding a lady's hand, and she's just sobbing. Tell you the truth, I think Julie and I were ready to sob as well. We were absolutely terrified. And Jesus is trying to explain this is why he spends so much time with sinners. But in today's parable, this is not about a father and his lost son. This is a parable about a father and his lost sons. Plural. You see, these two boys, whether we realize it or not, had a lot in common. For example, both sons resented their father's authority. Now, it was very obvious in the younger son, right? I mean, he had that rebel spirit, and, and, and it's easy to see. I mean, he, he was like a, a wayward sheep that went to his father and said, Look, I am tired of you shepherding my life. You see, he didn't want to just get away from the farm. He wanted to get away from the father. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. In other words, he didn't accidentally stumble into the far country. He went there on purpose because he was looking for a place where his dad didn't carry any weight or any influence and he could do whatever he wanted to do where there was no father there to give him any instructions. And it's obvious to see that in the younger son. And so the father lets him go because in reality his son had already left in his heart. But here's the deal. The rebel spirit was just as loud in the heart of the older son, but it was a little bit more discreet. Because his refusal towards the end of the story when his father throws this party in that particular day and time, in that culture, that was just as much a disgrace as anything that the younger son had done. Because his refusal to go to the father's party was basically saying... To everyone, I have no confidence in my father's judgment. He has no clue how to run a family. In other words, the older son showed by his actions that he had no more respect for his father than the, uh, than the younger son did. Both boys were trying to get out from under their father's Authority, but they try to do it in different ways. And the question is, why? Well, because this is a very important point. Don't miss this, please, this morning. Because both sons wanted their father's inheritance. They wanted their father's stuff more than they wanted their father. Both sons thought that the inheritance, the blessings of the father, his stuff was the real goal. What they wanted, both sons, was to have a party, invite all their friends, but guess who didn't make the guest list? The father. 
neither son said, my father's happiness is my number one agenda. For both boys, the number one agenda was themselves and their happiness. That's what motivated the younger son's disobedience. He, he believed the lie that if he just got what he wanted, then he would be happy. And he thought, the things that I want, I can't get unless I'm away from the Father. And so I'm going to go somewhere where I can buy it and I can drink it, and I can do it, and my dad is not around to stop me because I will be more happy doing that than I will be in the company of my father. Now, this is the same thing that motivated the older son's obedience. He served his father for what he hoped he would get out of his father. He wanted the father's inheritance. He wanted the father's stuff more than he wanted the father. And I think that's where a lot of people... In fact, let me say this. This is where a lot of Christians are today. In other words, goodness is a way of gaining control. Well, God, I've obeyed you. I, I went to church and I studied the Bible and I prayed and I gave and I served. And so now, God, I deserve an easy life and I deserve answered prayers and I deserve a ticket to heaven. You want to know how you recognize the older, the older son's spirit when life gets hard and their prayers aren't answered the way they want? They get mad at God. And they get mad at the church. Because what they really want more than time with the Father is the Father's blessing. Francis Chan, I believe in his book, Crazy Love, asks a question. He says, if you could go to heaven and have everything that you ever wanted, it was all there, everything was perfect. There was no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering, the, the gates our pearl and, and the streets are gold. I mean, everything is over the top. It's phenomenal. Greater than you could ever imagine. But God wasn't there. He said, would you be happy? Think about that for a moment. Heard a story about a gardener who grew this impressive carrot, the biggest he had ever grown. And so he went to the king, and he said, Your majesty, I grow carrots. And he says, This is the best carrot I have ever grown, probably ever will grow. And he says, I just want to give it to you out of my love and, and out of my esteem and respect for you and the king was just so pleased. And so as the gardener was walking out of his courtroom, the king said, you know what? I own the plot next to you. 
And he said, I want to give that to you so that you can grow even more carrots. And the man was just blown away. I mean, he was just elated and he thanked the king and, and he left. Well, there was a nobleman in the court that day who watched all that happen and he's thinking to himself, man, if that's what you can get with a carrot, imagine what you could get if you gave something great. And so the next day, the nobleman comes in with this beautiful stallion and he brings it to the king. And he says, oh king, he says, this is the greatest horse I have ever bred. And he said, and I just want to give it to you. And the king could discern his heart. And the king looked at him and he said, thank you. And he dismissed him. And the nobleman stood there. He couldn't understand. And, and finally the king, seeing this, said, let me explain. He said, the gardener was giving me the carrot. But he said, you were giving the horse to yourself. Neither son thought that a relationship with their, with their father was enough. In their mind, the end goal was the inheritance. It's what they could get from the Father. The stuff, the blessings. But then also the third thing these two boys had in common was both saw their relationship with the Father as something that could be earned. The younger son says in verse 19, right? He says, make me like one of your what, church? One of your hired servants. You see, the younger son thought the only way to be with the father was to earn it. I've blown it. I've messed up. I don't deserve to be one of my father's sons anymore. And so, Dad, listen, you can put me out in the barn with the servants, and, and listen, I will, I will work, I will serve you, and one day maybe I can, I can find my way back into your good graces. But the father wouldn't hear it because the son didn't earn his way into the family in the first place. But the younger son wasn't the only one who tried to do this. Did you notice what the older son said in verse 29 to his father? He says, look, after all these years I have been, what church? I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Don't miss this. The older son wasn't working in the field because he loved the father. He was working in the field because of duty. I've been slaving. In other words, he saw himself more like a hireling than a son, and consequently he felt like his work and his obedience obligated the father. 
You owe it to me to do what I want you to do because I have been slaving for you. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to really think about this. How do you think that made the father feel? As a parent, how would you feel if your children looked at you as more like a taskmaster instead of a loving parent? Listen, just like the demerits didn't cost the younger son his sonship, merit didn't earn the older son his sonship. The older son was trying to make himself a slave for something he already had. I mean, the father comes out to him and he says, I have been slaving all of these years and never had a party. And I love what the father says. He basically looks at his son and he says, why not? Everything I have is yours. But the the older son never asked for a party because he didn't see himself as a beloved son. And he didn't see his father as a beloved father. Both sons broke their father's heart. Both sons chose to put distance between them and their father. And in their own way, both of these sons had missed the life that the father wanted them to have. Well, that's the risk of having kids, right? Proverbs chapter 17, verse 21, it is what, church? It's painful to be the parent of a fool. And there is no joy for the father of a rebel. Listen, God's heart breaks for his lost children. That's the reason there was a cross. That's the reason why the father went out to both sons. You see, both sons could do nothing to stop their father from loving them. Nothing. Both sons lived life saying, I want this, but the father says to both sons, I want you. I just want you. And by the end of the story, the younger son changes. And at the end of the story, well, the older son, we don't know if he ever changes or not. We're not given that piece of information. But the person in the story that never changes is the father. Don't miss this. Our heavenly father is not a Pharisee even to the Pharisees. He loves His children, all of His children. He loves His children who are lost in the pig pen, and He loves His children who are lost in the pew. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, this is what Paul writes, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's what, church? 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's what? God's love. Listen, from the very beginning, God has been looking, searching for his kids. And so he came in person in Jesus to find us and bring us back home because God wants a relationship with us. But the question we have to ask ourselves is what kind of relationship do we want with God? Because this parable teaches us that, listen, we can live right up under the Father and still be lost. You see, some people avoid God by being very bad, and some people avoid God by being very good. God doesn't want the dutiful service of slaves. He wants the willing, joyful affection of sons. And again, it can be so hard to see God that way because many times of the way we've been, we've been raised by our earthly fathers, and so God sent the Holy Spirit to help us with this. Now, there are several reasons God gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could have gifts to serve the body, and He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us become more like Jesus. But one of the greatest reasons that He gave us the Holy Spirit was to help us see through the lie that God is a taskmaster, and our job is to keep Him from being mad at us. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. God sent His Holy Spirit to remind us that we're not slaves. That we're God's own children. And that's not something that we can earn. That is something that only comes through Jesus. And so this morning, it may be that you want to know more about Jesus. Listen, if you're here today, you find me after services. I'll be right back here in the back. I don't have to shake hands. I would love to talk to you about Jesus and how through the power of His blood, anything and everything that you've ever done can be forgiven and washed away. Or this morning, if you are a child of God, do you realize the advantage of that? You don't need me. You don't have to come before a minister or a priest and say, hey, will you ask God to, to forgive me because of Jesus? You can go directly to the Father. You don't have to come and sit on a front pew. You can go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? God, today I want to repent. And that's between you and God. And so if you have a need, man, listen, we would love to pray for you. 
We would love to help strengthen you in whatever way we can. We would love to tell you about Jesus. If you're watching online this morning, listen, you can contact me. You can contact the church. Email, text. You can call me. I'd love to tell you more about Jesus because it's through Jesus we're saved. And today we celebrate as we gather around the Lord's table exactly what Jesus did for us. He shed His blood so that we could be forgiven of anything and everything we have ever done. And man, today as we sing this next song, I hope you'll celebrate with me.